Okay, um, today we'll finish up talking about Alice and Arians. Then the crowd goes wild. And then we'll talk, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, simple correlation and simple regression. And then I'll do this into a final talk on literature, which is multiple regression. Um, most of our designs we talked about, in fact, I've been stressing this because I always just say little n is the number of subjects per group. In other words, we're assuming equal n's. Equal number of subjects per group. And most of the designs actually assume this. Uh, some of them kind of require it. I say kind of um, because, well, you'll see why in a second. Except for really the simplest ones, the one-way ANOVA, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. Uh, you don't want one group wildly different from another. And think about this. We've got, we're talking about an analyzing variance, hence the name, analysis of variance. And think about variance. Um, it's, you know, sum of squares, so x, sum of x is minus x bar squared, over n minus 1. So the bigger n is, the smaller the variance is going to be. It just works that way. Because uh, you've got a quantity divided by n minus 1. So if n gets really big, the variance is going to get small. We don't want the variances being different because of sampling error. Or sorry, number of, sorry, number of subjects, right? So we like them to be pretty much the same at least. There is a way to make them, uh, to deal with unequal ends in simple analysis of variance. Uh, the way that's taught, it was taught in books up until about 10 years ago, in fact, turns out to be completely and utterly wrong. So the way I was taught it as an undergrad is wrong. Turns out the math doesn't really work the way everybody thought it did. And no one could test it using like a Monte Carlo simulation because there weren't computers powerful enough to run, you know, 45 million uh, trials. There are now. And it's been corrected. And the one that's in your book, so the one that was in my old stats books, I mean, it sounds like I'm, I'm back when we were using wax tablets, uh, being taught in Latin, post hoc ergo propter hoc, Latin. Anyway, um, Achilles est in lecto recumbent. Achilles is lying on the couch. Yes, I took Latin in high school. Um, but. It's weird that it was found out it was a mistake. Interestingly enough, uh, in 1972, when SPSS first came out, it did correlations incorrectly. So <laughs> these kind of things do happen. Um, so the really simple one way you know there is a way, and it's in the book, and it really doesn't change any of the calculus. But let's say you have unequal ends. What do you do? Because think about it. Everything has, remember all the sum of squares calculations? Some of them very often had a little n in front of them. And you think to yourself, well, which little n? If it's 5 and 4 and 6 and 24, which one do I use? So it's going to change your calculations. Um, one of the things you can do is you have missing values, basically. Uh, so if you're missing, if you've got 8, 8, 8, 10, as you guys do, well, no, sorry, 8, 8, 8, 6, probably. You could estimate the two missing values. Um, you could use the mean or the median, uh, depending on how the, var the variables distributed. You would choose something like that. <coughs> now, the question is, if you're going to estimate those values, how do you estimate them? 
Because if you got scores in Excel, <coughs> our model says that scores are made up of the grand mean and plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta. If you're talking about a, um, what's his name, a, a simple, simple two-way, you know, would you include the interaction term in there or not when you're making that guess? So is there something else happening other than just main effects? And that's all, all, very often a, a question we're asking with our analysis. So when you're making up these numbers, which you didn't see, would you include the interaction as part of it? And that's really a, a harder question than you might think. Uh, you can make arguments either way. No matter what, by the way, you well, you haven't lost degrees of freedom. I shouldn't have worded it that way. But you don't get extra degrees of freedom. So if you had, like I said, 6, 6, 6, and 8, you'd have, or sorry, 8, 8, 8, 6, that's your basic degree scale. Uh, you'd have, what, total number of degrees of freedom, you'd have sequence, you'd have four, three. Um, three observations, you'd have two more degrees of freedom. If you had two more observations, you don't now suddenly have 31 degrees of freedom. Because you didn't, those numbers didn't vary freely. You picked you can't just add numbers and say, well, that'll give me more statistical power because I have more degrees of freedom. No, you don't. You had exactly the same number. You just added more numbers. And the worst case I've seen of this was not uh, something I saw, but a friend of mine showed me who was in uh, a different sort of sub-area of psychology, more sort of, um, might have been, it was either social or personality. This is back when I was a postdoc, and we were sitting around the computer lab and looking at, just talking, as you do, and he was saying uh, that he was reviewing the paper, and I was Journal as well, and he, he said, uh, I can't believe what these people did. They actually decided that they wanted to get more statistical power, so they just doubled the number of observations. And I said, Well, that's okay. What's wrong with doing that? He said, They made the numbers up. I said, Oh, yeah, that's not really how you do it. So these people had 30 observations looking for a correlation. They couldn't find significance that was going in the right direction, so they just took the same numbers and So you, would, you could do that, but you'd still only have, in that case, 29 degrees of freedom. If you did that, people would wonder what was wrong with you, but, and you would probably have your paper rejected. But it's not like it's statistically bad. It's just kind of bizarre. So you, you, give, you don't get degrees of freedom by adding new numbers. Uh, a lot of you, by the way, if you say you have missing values, and you can do that in SPSS or you just put in usually an asterisk in the data set, and then you tell SPSS or whatever that the asterisk means a missing value, and then you say to it, estimate the missing values, and it will find a way. It will either do the mean or the median, uh, and it might include interactions, it might not, depending on all the options you choose. So it's not like this is hard to do mathematically, it's just the, the choice you make. Some of the squares calculations I showed you, if I want to multiply one with one, I need to do it. Okay? Then the classic ones discovered by Fisher. Okay? So they're something, and I'm going to say discovered because it's math, so it's a property of the universe. They're discovered when they're used. Uh, 
So picture if you have a type 1 eating column, natty column sum squared. And they're actually perfect for equal ends. That's how they work. Like I said, remember they only have, very often there's in fact polynomial following. So little n is part of the calculation. It doesn't tell you how, it doesn't say which little n. It's actually the same number. They actually don't work properly with unequal ends. Now, how do I mean they don't work properly? They actually end up with a more conservative estimate. So you don't make a, a fool of yourself. Um, with a false positive. But you make false negatives. Did I miss something? Okay. So you can do the calculation. There are ways around it. You use one little n one time, one another time. It all kind of balances out. It all works out fine. Um, the way I was taught was you use the harmonic mean of all the ends, and that actually doesn't work. Well, there's another, of course, there's type 2 sums of squares that work type 1. And type 2 sums of squares are actually great. Um, they're good when there's a missing value. They're actually built for that, of course, they do. but they assume no interaction. Now, that's all well and good if there's no interaction. If there is an interaction, and, and think of the model, if I can turn to the chart, think of the model, and again, we'll just use a very simple two-way design here, u plus alpha plus beta, So if they assume there's no interaction, this gets bigger. Error's going to get bigger, right? The only place the variance can go. Because it assumes this is 0. So it can't put it there. So it puts it here. And the problem is that, you know, if you think about it, we're doing mean effect of A. We're doing variance of uh, A plus error variance of error. And we just made the bottom bigger. not good. They're fine if there's no interaction. Um, I'm not going to go into how these are calculated. It involves matrix algebra. Yeah, that's how you would do it. You could. Yeah. But if you know there's no interaction, why not just, you could use type 2 sums of squares and actually take that term out of the model and make this work on your base 3 to give you more it's very rarely done. Type ones and yeah, type ones and type twos will do the same actually if you don't have a missing value. And of course, type threes. These are good if you don't know if there's interaction. Um, in fact, they're perfect. So if you just use type three all the time, you're safe. And actually, while I've been teaching you type one sums of squares, and again, I've never asked. Basically, type 3 assumes there's an interaction. All our software doesn't work. If there's, if there's equal ends, type 1's equal type 2's, so it's okay. No problem. So type 1's easier to learn conceptually because I don't want to have to teach you matrix, matrix algebra. Because frankly, there's two reasons. Uh, I wouldn't think you'd like it very much and do very well. And secondly, it gives me very horrible flashbacks to my first year PhD. When I thought about things like, well, I guess I could quit my PhD program and teach at a CJEP or a community college somewhere. 
Fanshawe. It's that rioting program they've got going, which seems to be a popular program. My brother teaches at Fanshawe, so I enjoyed that. My friend Mike read me read a book there. So I uh, emailed him and I told him about my new expression, which is I'm just going to Fanshawe something. And my brother replied, asshole. And my friend Mike replied, uh, I'll take this stand. And then he called me uh, an F head. So uh, I'll, I'll be using this for the next couple of months at least on this. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't like Andrew's algebra very much. I get it conceptually. Actually doing it right is the key, I think. So Stats in grad school and PhD. It's crazy. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. I got through it. You'll get through it. I got a. I got a. I got an A minus in that course. Let me tell you that I got an A minus in the course, and I don't know how. I did all the calculations. I knew I got. That's the course I got half of the fifteen on a quiz. You know, I was just. I got a seventy on the final exam, and like. 69 is a failure, right? And at 70, you usually, if you get a mark in the 70s in grad school, you're called into the department chair's office and asked if you're serious about your future, things like that. And then I, I get the exam. This, we're at a, a big party, Christmas party. And I go get my, I, I'm told, we're told our exams are ready. So we're all hammered. And we go back to the department, right? Get our mailbox, go get my exam. It says, it says the mark, and it says course grade A minus on it. My stats prof was at the party, and I come back, and I'm holding it. Says he is, he miscalculated. I don't get it. He says, Do you want the C minus? It would add up to. I said, Yeah, I'll take the A minus. All right, then. You know what you're doing. I thought you'd get an A minus. Okay, fair enough. Thanks. So we use type three. This is where I learned about that, and we had to re we were reading paragraphs and like. Articles in statistical journals. Oh boy, fun city about different kinds of sums of squares. So if n's are equal, type one's equal type two, is equal type three. So that's good. So I should tell you, the sophomores are using type threes. You know about type ones, and that's fine. I frankly can't remember how to calculate type ones. What is type twos? What is type fours? They're defensive cells. This is when you've done a very piss poor job of designing your experiment. And you've got an empty set. Okay, so you've got every experiment. Um, 
So I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm, I'm entering all their data. They don't have too much data, and their subjects are eyes, which is kind of awesome. That's what I did. I said, okay, so where are your, because um, I've drawn it out, eh? I said, so it looks like this. I said, so where are your, uh, I need the data for this cell here. Oh, we don't have that. I said, oh, uh, where is it then? And he says, well, I'll put that in, and it will be done in 10 minutes, and you can give me my 100 bucks, you know. We don't have that. I said, oh, okay, so I'll come back tomorrow. No, we just didn't, we don't have anything in that condition. I said, well, then, wow, really? So you just, this was a giant waste of time. He said, well, no. I said, but you can't, I said, are you interested in, I put it too fast, of course, on how the two things work together. He said, that's our whole thing. I said, then this won't tell you a thing. I said, well, I can do something. Don't thank me in the paper. I said, well, why? And I then took out a piece of paper and did this. Okay. Let's say your mean here is 4 for A1B1, is 2 for A1B1, and is 3 for A1B2. What goes there? Assuming knowing that, okay. So what about 4,658? I don't know what the answer is. I can put it in a freaking number I want. What about orange? <coughs> I can put in anything there. What about triangle? What a triangle would look good there. I don't know what this is. So type 4 sums of squares are, are fascinating because they give you a non-unique solution. Um, and it depends on, and this is the weird part, it depends on what it, if you do the sum of squares for A first or B first. So just don't collect data with infinite cells. And in fact, your best bet is not, don't collect unbalanced data. Um, if you have a situation where you have 8886, don't get too much people running that if you don't have, um, if you've got 20, 20, 20, and 19, randomly select one from each group. If you can't get any more subjects, you drop them. It's just much better than that, you know, than the school rules and stuff. Um, and it's not so bad with the unbalanced designs, but the thing you have to worry about there is that doing post hocs is very hard with unbalanced. Whereas post hocs with balanced designs with equal ends is very easy. But please don't ever, 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 ever do do this. Ever. Now, in the one case, you might say, I'm not interested in the interaction. Fine. Just do a three way, or sorry, a one way yield with the good deal. Yeah, Mike. There are not cost areas that you have to look at. See, because the difference here is. Well, because you're actually, you still can uh, say something about, say, B within C. You can still say that, and it's still taking the variance of C out. 
And then you do, you look at the numbers and you see what's going on. Like statistics for us is a, uh, it's a tool. It's not a means, it's not an end in and of itself. Statistically, maybe you've got a point, but honestly, in completely in practical terms, it would make a lot more sense to just do the analysis itself. Because you, you, you'll, you'll be able to interpret it at some, some level and figure it out. And I couldn't believe you guys would do that. I'm just it was cool having the iBank in way below our lab, though. Because sometimes our taxi would show up. And a guy had a cooler full of eyes. Which is cool. Alright, so that's empty sets. 